Yeah, I um I'm actually pumped to do this. Like I'm pumped that you guys are like moving in the pod direction. Um I think it would be cool um to talk a bit about like what we think social media looks like in web3. You, I don't you were in the Black Dave brain dump space yesterday, but I don't know if you were there when I was talking about how I like really desire like a Tumblr, which I know we've talked about privately. Um, but like a connect your wallet Tumblr vibe, I think like I was talking a lot about or thinking a lot or whatever, a lot about, (laughs) um, like how we moved from like this full on blogging, like blog spot vibes to like a lesser blog, um, which like we consider micro blogging, which would be Tumblr where like, it was just focused on like images, like specific media, right? Like a video or a picture or audio or like a a text excerpt, but not like a full blog post. Um, And then we moved to like an even more micro, right? Like Facebook statuses, Instagram posts, um, tweets, even though Twitter was out back then. Um, Like we moved into that kind of vibe where it became like super micro, like hyper micro. But then like, I think like Twitter, right? Like bumping to 240 characters from the 140, really like showed that we want a little bit more content than what we've been like giving. And so I think that there's like this really interesting space for like a Tumblr level amount of content, but like that you connect your wallet to. Um, Cause like, I'm, I'm, I think connect your wallet is, is like, we kind of moved it, moved in that direction. And I know I'm just ranting and we can just talk about whatever, but like um, we kind of moved in that direction where like, you know, you just signed into websites with Google or you like now, like they're signing with Apple, which I, I'm obviously obsessed with because I'm an Apple guy. I feel like connect with wallet is the next phase of that, right? But it's something that can have a lot more data attached to it in, a, in a, like a more public way. And like we can have our assets that we own, whether they're like fungible tokens or, you know, fungible assets or non-fungible assets, like they can represent experiences within these different platforms. Um, especially like on the like social media content side. And I don't know if you feel like talking about social media today, but that's where my head's at, like coming into this conversation. No, it's all good, bro. Like, I mean, and I can talk about anything. Like <laughs> Jackie in the crowd, she probably gets pretty tired of me. I talk to her about a lot of stuff. But um, no, so I find it interesting. And, and before we even get into that, like I was curious because you said signing with wallets. And I think what's going to be an inevitability at some point is when Google and Apple and all them catch up. And instead of like having um, like a browser specific wallet that instead like it's attached to your phone number or something like that. So your phone number becomes your wallet or something like that. So I, I think that that's definitely like, I I don't know how long it seems like it's going to be a thing. Did you see uh, on that, on that topic that um, there's a, the, there's a phone called the nothing phone that had come out. That's like apparently like wallet and NFT attached attached. I don't know if it's, I got to look more into it, but I think it might be by the boring company. Yeah. I, which I, is, I think you're right. I remember seeing something about it. And then there was somebody else that's pairing to make like um, a phone of some sort. Damn, I, I think Solana is. And then, yeah. and then Polygon now is thinking about it. And you, you know, what's interesting is, the reason that they have to make phones is because 
uh, Apple and Google, well, Apple much more than Google is sort of like blocking them from being able, being able to create apps. So then they have to pretty much go to the OS level and, and be like, okay, so we have to make an OS or we have to make like an Android overlay that allows for us to sort of create all of our own applications and like our, our whole file system, which is pretty interesting. Um, I don't, I don't care for Solana. I don't care for, um, other layer ones, I should say. Um, I still think it's interesting. Yeah. Well, on that point too. So it's, it's not even so much, I, I, and I could be wrong, but not even so much that Apple doesn't let them make apps. It's that Apple taxes the shit out of you. Like I think it's something like 30%. 30%. Yeah. It's the same with music. 30%. Um, that was like, so like uh, in the 99 cent song era, that was like a thing too, right? Was like, we all as artists, like we were pushing, like selling on iTunes, but it was like, we were getting 70 cents of every dollar, um, which, you know, depending on where you stand is good or bad. Um, I was, you know, before that, not making much money anyway. And so like, I'm, as I grow in web three, I'm trying to think about that transition of like, what am I willing to accept? And what am I not willing to accept? Well, that's interesting too. And uh, I don't know how much, and this will actually loop it back into the, the social media. As you said, you want to get a little bit. So we've had some people on the app recently that were like stock photographers. And now they're bringing some of that content over here. Cause there was a big app that they call that they use called 2020 and it got purchased by someone else app shutting down at the end of the month, all this stuff. And I had a conversation with somebody and she was like, yeah, normally I sell that content for 10 to 20 cents per photo. And she's like, why would somebody give me, you know, even if on ours, like the normal transaction is probably somewhere like five to $10 per, she's like, why would somebody pay that much? I'm like, no, I mean, maybe you made a really good photo. Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> but so, so that whole thing is like, then it's, it's also like an adjustment upward. I think, especially even when it comes to music too, like you've been, there's been this conditioning for so long, like, Hey, this is what you get on a per play on a per stream or, you know, whatever it is. And now you can, you know, that is the nice thing about this is you can monetize at a larger level and still have exposure to that side of things. Yeah. Like, is it, is it our job to determine how much things are worth? Right. Like that, I think that's the real question is like one thing that I've been um, grappling with, Oh, it's so weird that I started adding the phrase grappling with into my like language in the last couple of days. <laughs> um, but like something that I've been grappling with um, is like the idea that people will pay as much as they'll pay. And I had to just start saying like, if they're buying, I'm selling, you know, and that's kind of what it is. I think trying to break down why people are buying is important, but is it so important that I shouldn't sell while I'm trying to figure that out? Like, like with the stock photography thing, right? It's like, yeah, people are paying 10 to 20 cents, but they're paying $5 over here. And should I try to figure out why? No, I should just do it. And then like along the, along the way, figure out why, of course. Um, because like when I, when I think about like web three music in general, like I've, I've really been stepping away from looking at the other, like, sub subcultures within this subculture of web three and really focusing on music and music i know that a time will come where like things the price of things will like go down and sort of balance out and stuff like that but should i be trying to figure that out or should i just be making music selling music and then building and figuring out along the way right like there there's um i was just on a call talking about um 
like sort of these two types of music artists that you see in the Web3 space. And there are some music artists who are like, like more like content creators than they are like uh, like artists, right? Like um, I think about like content creation, like mass creation, low price, high edition, um, and they're making a living versus like um, the fine art type of music artist who can like sell a one of one artwork for a bunch of Ethereum. And then that gives them the space as opposed to someone who might have to sell 20 or 25 of something there will be a world because there's already a world like in traditional space like if you circling back to social media like if you look at like a 2d artist for instance um a digital let's just focus on digital artists right who might post on instagram every day has a ton of content is constantly taking commissions for like 50 bucks a piece and they're selling lots of commissions at 50 bucks a piece they're posting lots of their own content they're on youtube they're on you know patreon da 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 doing all these things but then there's like another digital artist who sells three things a year and makes as much as the other guy, right? Um, I think in my example, I, I was using like uh, like Latasha, who I love, um, um, as like that sort of counterpoint to me, who has to like make lots of additions, who has to spend a lot of time on Twitter Spaces, who posts a lot of threads, who does a lot of things, and Latasha, you know, builds this this fine piece of art, sells the music video for Ten Ethereum ducks off, builds Zoratopia, does Zoratopia, ducks off, does this like, you know, um, 15 Ethereum drop on sound, ducks off, you know, but doesn't have to spend a lot of time in spaces, doesn't have to do mirror pose, doesn't have to do all these things. And, and like, one thing too is like, sometimes we present like, like um, the different types of people who exist in these spaces. There are so many dragonflies out here. Um, <laughs> like, like it's not that one's better or worse than the other it's just that they're they're two sides of this coin that exists and regardless of what side of the coin you hand somebody the coin's worth the same amount there's different approaches to the same amount of value and so um that's something i've been thinking about a lot like with social media like how long do i want to be the content creator type and is there a way for me to become the fine art type and if a fine art type wants to start connecting more with people on an individual basis or on a community basis, then do they start to become content creators? Um, and like, what's the balance? And like, um, I'll pause. But yeah, that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately. No, you're, you're good, bro. And like, I've, I've actually talked to uh, to Monday about it like a couple of times. And like, I think there's actually, I mean, for me, like, I think there's a, a balance between both. Maybe you can shed some light on this, but you know, what if you did an addition of one thing that's a base level, right? And, people, and, you, and then you, you do make the asset that is, you know, the one of one that does encompass that. Because the, the only thing that I think about when you talk about the one of one side is sustainability long term. And I just think it's a lot harder. Um, I'm, and I think John Waltz is a really good example. And I've spoken with John Waltz like a number of times. And John was like, going crazy this year i think he had like four or five like six each sales and like so, that's yeah absolutely so great. crazy but you got to get so many like you have to keep doing that so it's like yes you know like i can only imagine like i felt good for him when that happened so i can only imagine how good he felt but then you got to look at it like shit i got to do that again and again and again so i think from a web3 perspective i think finding a balance of doing both of them will help with sustainability long term Absolutely. Um, even, but like, if you think about it too, right? Like, let's say John wants to make 50 ETH off the album, which I think was his number, right? 
he's doing it through like these one of one song sales. But then at the same time, he can he can spin the block, drop on sound, and make the five e, you know, or whatever, um, which he did actually. <laughs> and um, and so it's like uh, I agree. I think it's healthier to do it that way, right? It's more balanced. But w- one thing that I I think we battle with too, just because like, and this is just a sign of the time, much more than it's a um, much more than I think it's true in general. It, it, because we live in this hyper financialized world people you know when when things exist in additions they don't consider it as fine right like part of why high fashion is high is because of the access and so i think as humans and and i'll just relate it to fashion right we can we can sort of not like move from being high fashion into street fashion into high fashion into consumer fashion into high fashion and in and out which i think is sick but but then i worry that the things that exist on the consumer end, people don't consider right? Like um, Kanye, for instance, like, of course he's doing the whole Adidas thing. He's doing the Yeezy brand thing. Um, but Kanye wanted to work with Payless and the Payless CEO just didn't take his calls and said no pretty much flat out, right? And Kanye's like, look, I want to do this quality thing that I'm doing for for $20, for $30, for $40. And um with Fendi designers at Payless shoes. And, Bro, how crazy uh, would that go though? That would be they absolutely no. insane. Could you imagine they that though? Like no. pay, all the Paylesses would all of a sudden everybody would be a Payless, like no question. Yeah. But because because here's the thing, right? Like what is fine, right? What is what is quality? What is great? Is is something great because it's expensive? Or is something great because it's great? Is something great because it's hard to access? Or is something great because it's great? And I think like what we should be looking at is like, is something good? And that be the only standard, um, whether it's additioned or not. But then like people went so sound. When I did the Snoop Drop, when I was on the Snoop Drop, I didn't do the Snoop Drop. When I was in the Snoop Drop, the conversation, first of all, the drop got bodied, which was one of the big issues is that like, a big percent of the drop went to bots who then spun the block and, and tried to resell it at a lower price. But, but like people were like, Oh, well the Snoop Dogg drop was a failure because the secondary market's low. And, and it's like, is the Snoop Dogg drop a failure or, or is the money that you spent a loss? Like was the mix good is the only thing that should determine if the project failed or succeeded. Right? Like, if if I drop a song on sound and, and the thing I think about dropping what the fuck on sound while at the same time dropping what my head on mint songs and mint songs being a one of one and what the fuck being uh, like an addition song is in some ways like what the fuck is my best song that exists? While my head is a great song. Don't get me wrong. And, and when I performed it, it went over super well. I really believe in that song. I think it's also a great song, but because want my head as a one of one is it a better song you know and i think that people are doing this thing where they're tying finances to to like quality and that's just not true and that's something that i worry a lot about um as we like continue down this consumer focused web three path um which i know has nothing to do with social media we're just bouncing around so i'm, I'm super pumped <laughs> that we can good. just bounce around hell yeah man well and it's so for what it's worth though man i think scarcity is like vastly overrated uh yes i mean because even look at it like you were making fashion analogies like when we look at fashion analogies like 
there is a scarcity level to sneakers. Like, you know, their Jays will get sold out back in the day. You know, you'd have, I think of like the Paris dunks when I think of like scarcity, but that's few and far between because like, if they're too scarce, then like these companies don't turn a profit. So like, I think scarcity is completely overrated. And I think secondary markets, <laughs> you're talking the wrong one with that. I'm not, I'm not worried about secondary markets at all. I, I come from a background too, when I was running my own business uh, at, you know, from like, 2017 until 2020 when the pandemic hit i was selling tickets and i could only in you know it's kind of the name of the game like you're making markets like on live events type of shit i could only imagine people saying like oh the warriors game is a bust because the tickets went below face costs like it does it just doesn't make any sense like that it's the same thing with the product i think it's just because we're in this like you said this financialized status of three thing it, it just It'll balance out, I think, eventually, but as it is right now, it's it's kind of nonsense. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just it's um it's just really tough right now. I think um, because there are a lot of people who, and I think this is true for me. Like, I think I make some of the best music on the blockchain. I think I'm one of the smartest people on the blockchain. I think that I have um you know some of the best knowledge. I I've built the most the best communities. I've been there for the most people. I've done all of these things, right? But then like, does that does that make what I'm doing fine? Does does me not having a secondary market negate all of those things? Um, like, do I still like, I was talking to Rio, um, who's the fucking man. Rio is one of my favorite people. And Rio was talking about how, like, I, I posted a Brent Fayaz meme from the album. And I said, like, I, I said that I love the album and he was like you know i didn't like the album that much but he thinks about like how he kind of relates like his creative process to like mma right like your personality your brand all all of that right can only do so much but you have to win the fight to get the belt and he thinks about like the creation side as the fight and getting the belt rio's kind of one of those people who like constantly is looking for like the next level of what he's doing and you know he um he like was on the last camila cabello album as like a producer was it camila cabello no was it i don't know he was he like he's like produced in the music industry for a long time before like really presenting himself in web3 which is sick you know we were talking and it's like he was in um he was in the sotheby's auction or christie's one of those auctions and in that auction group he had like sold for the least and he was like man, I have so, so far to go. And I'm looking at him like, dude, you were in the fucking auction, you know? Like, so I, I think that it's really interesting. Like you'll see artists who they'll be like, yeah, I mean, as long as I get the bag, I'm good. But then you'll see people who are like, I got the bag, but the bag isn't the thing. And so like, it's, it's really interesting. I think over time we're going to see artists who like uh, come in, they make money, they sell to their audience over and over and over again. And they make a lot of money. And then you're going to see people who, who enter the space. They create stuff. They make money. But they're, like, so unhappy with, not with the money, but, um, and not really unhappy, but they just, like, want to continue to push and push and push and push. Uh, the Drake album, right? Like, the new Drake album and everyone being really, un not unhappy. I think people are much more happy with it now than they were then, like, when it came out. Thinking about that, like, Drake's, like, do I want to continue do I want to continue to give you what I'm giving you? Do I, should we be doing that? Like, I think um, someone I love, uh, ASAP Rocky, who like 
I don't always love his music, but I appreciate that he's always trying something. And so like, that's something I think about a lot is like, what are we valuing? Is it money or is it work? And, and should we be even accepting the evaluations from the people who are buying our work in Web3? Me seeing Cooper, seeing Crypto Boy, it's like, wait, you have my golden egg, like, of my best song. It's like, what do you think about that? Like, is it is that taste valid now to me? Because, like, you love Crypto Boy. Uh, and so, I don't know where this rant's going. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, to your same point, though, and I was going to say that everybody seems to, it, 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 let me not say everybody. But there's often when somebody does something new or tries something new, there's always backlash on it. And then it grows on people. And then by the time it grows on somebody like that person that did it is already on to the next thing. And, you know, Jay said it by my own album. And, you know, there was all that thing for the longest, like I missed the old Kanye, like things like that. Like that happens all the time. Right. And so also to your other point, when you were talking about getting the bag after you make it to a certain point and some people will be happy. You very much strike me as like, don't get me wrong that you'd be happy, obviously, if you made like a large amount of money, like no one's ever that upset if they, if they make a lot of money. But I don't think that that would be the end all for you. And I say that because I can speak from like, when I've done well with things, I'm always thinking about, okay, well, what do I do next now? Because, you know, at the end, that's cool. That's a reward for what you've done, the work that you put in, whatever it may be. But that feeling at least for me, is always fleeting. It's like, okay, well, that was cool. I'm happy with that. But now what do I do? So, You know what I'm thinking about? It's really interesting. Is like NBA Youngboy is like the fucking biggest artist in the world. Like, in America, right? Like, NBA Youngboy is the biggest artist in America. I don't care what anyone says. You can't argue with me. Um, pull up the numbers, right? Um, go on YouTube and look up, like, the weekly YouTube music numbers and see that NBA Youngboy is like the number one artist every week that an artist doesn't release an album, right? Like uh, Bad Bunny was number one for like a week and then NBA Youngboy was back on top. Kendrick was number one for a week and then NBA Youngboy was back on top. Drake was number one for a week and then NBA Youngboy is back on top. So I've been hearing like reading stories, you know, stuff like that. Um, and all of these are, can always be, should always be taken with a grain of salt. But NBA Youngboy is pretty much like, yeah, I think I'm gonna quit rapping soon. Cause like I've accomplished the goal which was like making money for my kids making money for myself and i made it and it, and it kind of made me wonder like if young boy just kind of saw rapping as like a job right which is super yeah he's super bored interesting. now yeah right but it's like i don't i don't even know that many young boy songs um which is funny but um it's probably not funny because i'm like 35 and like young boys for a young boy um but like um it's just really interesting to see like what goals look like for every person. Um, and I try not to knock people's goals. And I've been having to do this thing too, where like, I don't impart my goals on others, right. Or the person that I want somebody to be on others. Like I recently tweeted, like, um, and this is something that I'm very actively doing is I want to start treating people like their potential and not their experience. But that like is also still such a fine line, right? Like, if I start treating everyone like their potential, that doesn't mean that they want to be the thing that I can see them being. Like, I have a friend who raps. I produced his album with another one of my friends, produced the whole thing, um, recorded it. The mixes are trash, but whatever. It's out. Listen to it. I was like, so what? Like, what's your goal? He was like, I want to be the best rapper. And I was like, well, who do you think is the best rapper? He was like, Kendrick. And I was like, cool. 
I'm going to start comparing you to Kendrick from this moment forward. Like we're not, we're not trying to be anybody that's not Kendrick Lamar from this moment forward. Uh, he's not uh, good enough of a rapper at this point in his career to be Kendrick Lamar. So like what I was constantly, all I was looking for from him was like, all right, cool. So I know like Kendrick is a little bit of a stretch and what we're going to do is we're going to constantly work at the edge of your skill. And, and I think that's what we did. Like he would rap and he would get really frustrated, like not hitting lines, not having the breath control he needed, not having all these different things. And I'd just be like, look, this is as good as you are right now, but like now you can take this with you and, and like see where you need to go if you want to go there. And so like I, I uh, with my friends, it's really easy for me to treat them as their potential. Like I always say that I want to be like Virgil and it's really easy for me to just sit around and be like, Hmm, if, if Virgil was at this stage in his career right now, I think it would be really sick if he did da-da-da. And so, like, I have all these ideas that are inspired by all these people that inspire me. And and so the goal is just to try to do them and and um, and hopefully I can inspire myself and then I can inspire others. But I think it's really interesting just, like, the goals everyone has for themselves versus the goals that the world has for people. And we really got to be, like, aware of it, I guess. A hundred percent. I have to ask you this. And I've been wanting to ask you this for a while. It's just never come up the right way. You do talk about Virgil a lot. Love Virgil. Do you have any off-whites? I know you're big into sneakers. I don't. I stopped collecting sneakers actively like a, a few years ago. So I used to work at um, Marshalls. I was the supervisor of the stockroom. I quit my job to try to figure out how to make music like or make shit for a living um like make stuff i guess i should say for a living and so like uh a, a little bit before that like when i knew i was gonna quit i stopped buying sneakers so i have like 40 pairs of shoes um no off-whites mostly nike sbs um just from coming up skateboarding um and like having a good relationship with the sneaker shop um do you skate really in all of them have. no i skate no no well, I, I didn't to know all of them. there's some people that will skate in any SB. No. Like I've seen like the Tiffany's just like torn up. No. So no, I, so I have shoes that I skate in and shoes that I don't. And, um, and like, I think at this point, like I have a pair of shoes that I wear like every day that are Nike SBs. They're just like a red, they're like called the, the, what are they called? Not fire and ice. There's a different phrase, but they're called the challenge red and they have like an icy blue sole, but mine are like dirty now. Um, the fire and ice is like orange with the icy blue sole. Anyway, um, I would buy a new pair of shoes uh, to skate if I got back into it. And I want to get back into it, but my car broke and I live on a lot of grass, not a lot of concrete. And I skate in some, but I have like, um, I have shoes that are unopened, but I don't have any off-white shoes. I bought my girlfriend an off-white purse for her birthday last year. No, no, no off-white. So I've never even tried them on. Like, I, I, have you even tried them on? Do you know if they're comfortable? They are comfortable. They're comfortable. They're nice. I mean, they're nice. It's it's Italian made. It's like all the all the check boxes are checked. Like, um, I you know like the whole thing about like when I was talking earlier about like street versus high. The whole idea of like off white is like um, the gray area. He doesn't use gray, even though one of his kids' name is gray. Like it's like that gray area between the two, right? And so he's actually trying to express that. So doing street things in a high way. Um, and like doing high things in a street way is like kind of the the whole goal. Like if you think about like how um, having rappers walk down the runway instead of um, 
like formal models and then how how that's like even permeated right like Lil Durk was in the recent Amiri show like walking and um and so I just think like permeating like through this space and like through culture um with these types of ideas um Kim Jones being at Dior now Matt Williams having done his stint at Givenchy he might still be there um but then having Alex um thinking about like the way that Heron Preston is perceived in this space and like all these guys who really come from the streets, streetwear at least, um, existing in the high world is, is really interesting and cool. Do you fuck with like Y3 or anything like that at all? I'm a big Y3 fan. Yeah, I, I like Y3. I, the Y3 story in LA is actually really cool too. It's like, it's like sort of based on like this Japanese like tea house vibe, which is really sick. It's definitely worth like checking out if you haven't seen it. But like the way it's set up is like you kind of have to walk around and then you go into like this, this middle space and and then it has all the clothing in there but like the whole vibes like this japanese like tea house vibe i want to check that out yeah no, i'm a big yoji yamamoto fan um the y3s that i love so i they're admittedly like really expensive shoes so like only if i do something like i get like a big sale or you know i, I come up on something will i buy a pair but like i fell in love with these there's these y3 they're uh, they're called the kusaris and bro like i wear these things everywhere now i got a black pair and i got a white pair but i can't That's not wear them but you know what's really interesting? I think, and this might be blasphemy, so don't kill me for saying this. I think that Yoji Yamamoto was like a really heavy influence on Kanye when he made the move to Adidas and how that design of it, like had started to come out. Because I see absolutely so many similarities in the Yeezys and the and the wide threes. Well, okay, here's here's I think there's a lot of like uh, history I think that comes with that, right? So the whole thing about Kanye, I think, first coming on to Adidas was like still being really Nike, right? About everything. And then I think he moved away from that towards like a, like a more utilitarian vibe, like the single construction, right? Sort of sneaker, the, the Yeezy slides like are made out of one piece, right? Um, now you see that like a one piece, like um, shoe construction is the wave. Looking at like um, a one piece thing connected to a soul with like the Yeezy 350. Um, I think that like, yes, I agree because I think that Yoji Yamamoto Y3 was looking to get as close to that as possible um, with like the running shoes, right? And then I think in Kanye's search for minimalism, um, he started to see those things. I absolutely agree. And I think Yoji Yamamoto as a designer overall has influenced so much of fashion. Like if you think about like the, the like pants, like women wearing pantsuits, like, He's an OG of that. Like, he was, like, one of the first people to bring, like, the wide leg pants in for women. Of course, this was, like, in Japan, like, in, like, the 70s, 80s. But, like, still so insane. Um, so, yeah, I, I think so. I totally think so. And and Kanye is a student. Like, Kanye is a student who just modernizes everything he's learned. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it's funny because I've, I've had, like, lots of people, they're like, oh, those Yeezys? And they look confused because they kind of look like Yeezys, but they're very clearly not Yeezys. Um, so I've definitely had that question before too, but I do like the, uh, like kind of the fashion discussion too. I think I had mentioned to you recently, Monocle magazine. Yes. Yes. I, I may have read like one issue in my life, but yes, you have. Yeah. So even if you don't read the magazine, right? Like they have lots of articles online. They do, they make these really good short films. They sample music from all over the world. And actually most of what they talk about is not American at all. It's, it's very little. 
Um, so sometimes when I see the American stuff, if I've been to wherever they're talking about, like I actually kind of get excited about it. But it's interesting, like when they go about it from a fashion perspective, there's there's lots of different things in there. So this was years ago. They did a, a piece on a store called Loop Wheeler. And I think Loop Wheeler ended up doing some sort of collab with Nike at some point. Have you ever heard of them? Have you heard of Loop Wheeler before? I have not. I have not. Keep going. So it's this small, like boutique store out of Japan. And everything they do is like hand knit. And it's, you know how Kanye got into the, like the, the sweaters and the, the kind of the comfy clothing, right? So it yep. was... It was just before that was the first time I had seen this. And I was like, I mean, those are cool, but I'm only going to wear it in wintertime. And then Kanye kind of revolutionized it. So it's like people wear it all the time type of shit. There's loop wheeler stuff. Like the way that people talk about it is like, it's the most comfy shit ever. But if you go to their store, first of all, it's all in Japanese. So you got to use the Google translate for it. Second of all, you can't buy it. Like, and they even say explicitly in there, if you use some sort of service, buy it for you, ship it will cancel your order and you won't get your money back type of thing. So I don't know if you've ever run into something like that before, but because of that, I, I like desperately want to acquire just like even a sweater from these guys just to see what it's like. I Isn't, isn't that like the best shit? First of all, like anytime I go on a rant about culture, like that's the type of stuff, right? First of all, cause that's multi-layered, right? Like knowing how to get stuff from Japan is already hard enough, right? But then knowing how to get something from Japan and then that store in Japan saying, we will not even sell you this. You have to come and experience this is like another level of culture that I think is so, so cool and so, so important. I think, you know, I relate this a lot to like the early, like the early hype of Jordans, especially when Jordans, like when I was first getting into sneakers, I didn't know how to get Jordans. I didn't know how to get Supreme. You know, like, you didn't know how to get the stuff. You just knew that people had it. And I think that, like, if you know you know is so important um, in general. Like, if you know you know, like, I was on the one thirty seven p.m. like, podcast the other day, and um, they wanted to make some image, and I was like, you should use if you know you know as, like, my, my phrase for it. Because I think if you know you know is, like, the cornerstone of creating culture, right? Like, there's stuff that only people who exist in that community can understand, um when when you were talking about monocle just now i didn't think about it the first time but um there's a there's also a website called um super future maybe retro super future but it's kind of the same vibe where they do like these like city guides and they had like a forum that like all these fashion dudes would be on and they would talk about like this all this really hard to acquire like you never heard of it type shit and um and that subculture is so sick and i think that like building building things that are really meaningful and have really deep connection and like, I guess, importance to people really does lie in if you know, you know. I think that's like why we get so excited about discovering music artists that other people don't know, but then we get it, we get more excited when we find someone who knows that artist that we didn't introduce them to, right? Because if you know, you know, is like a cultural touch point. And that's why I like, that's why I love fashion so much is because um, if I'm wearing a certain pair of shoes, or if I'm wearing a certain type of shirt or jacket or whatever, when someone sees me uh, and they know it's it's that connecting point. I was telling this story in in, uh, in the brain dump yesterday about how I uh, I was wearing this Evangelion T-shirt and I went and met this kid for the first time. He was I went to go see my friend's band play, but it was his new roommate and he was an anime nerd. And he saw my shirt. He was like, "Well," I was like, "Hey, I'm Dave. Well, this is my girlfriend. You know, she's pretty." 
and was like, the first thing he said was, well, I see you in the Evangelion tea. Who are your top five waifus from Evangelion? <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. Uh, but, like, because I don't, I don't do that. I'm not, like, the type of person who does that. But, like, I humored him and, like, came up with a list and, like, talked. We probably talked for, like, an hour about waifus from one specific TV show. But it's like, like the ultimate test, like at that moment, right? Yeah, right. Because like, because when he when he says it, right, you can't be like, "Well, I don't really rate girls like that on on anime." He's gonna make so you don't like girls. Like it's like, you know, like I just I just like don't rate girls in anime. Like it's really interesting because that's if you know, you know, right? I have this uh, I have this jacket by this brand called Hypeland. It's a hunter. X hunter or hunter hunter depending on where you learned about it <laughs> um jacket and people see it and they want to talk to me about the anime if i'm wearing a pair of jordans people see it and they want to talk about sneakers uh i think that's really really cool right like people even like with this web 3 shit right like if they see i have venomask on my phone they might be like oh let's talk about nfts or or if they read about me in some article then like there's like a touch point and i think um i think culture is like the ultimate if you know you know and um and so like or culture is like based around if you know you know and so like even like um in the kudos discord for instance like you know us talking about the double xl freshman freestyles and people not being familiar maybe with with like the artist this time around but even being familiar with the concept of the freshman freestyles um not everybody knows about that right which is weird but whatever like a lot of people don't and so like those sorts of things talking about shoes that are coming out talking about collaborations with brands talking about all these different things that have nothing to do with web3 and nfts i think is, is the type of thing that's going to really build like really meaningful brands in the future is like just focus on culture and don't focus on web3 and nfts i agree with you uh, we, we talked about this the other day but uh, i don't think it's still going anymore but there was this thing that went around called sneaker pimps and it was like 10 years yes. ago or, or more actually, but it was just this really cool, they had like rare sneakers and customized sneakers and there'd be people in there like skating and then they had these concerts set up and it was actually like, it felt a lot more fun, a lot more cool when it was smaller. And then as they got bigger, like it was still a good time. It just wasn't the same vibe, but you know, that was one of those very much, if you know, you know, type of things. There's another story I have for you real quick, too. Um, I don't know if I ever asked you about this. You ever been to Boston? Uh, no, but continue. So Boston, of all places, has by far the coolest sneaker shop I've ever been to. It's, and it's, it's one of those things, like, if, even if people know about it, if you ask them outside about it, like, or ask them where it is or something like that, nobody will tell you. So you just have to kind of know where it is. And this was back, man, I, I haven't been there since, like, 07. And so, like, you know, smartphones weren't the, the same then. So you just kind of had to figure out where it was. But um, it's called Bodega. And so when you walk yeah. in in the front, it's literally a bodega. And you walk up to, like, what looks like this Gatorade machine. And it slides to the side like a sliding door. And you walk in and it's this crazy boutique of, like, streetwear fashion and sneakers and shit like that. But shit like that, like that is the coolest thing. Like, you know, you have a front as a bodega and then you walk in and it's 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 this kind of thing. So like, I don't know, man, things like that are cool. You know, um, Wish out here in Atlanta has got a real cool vibe to it. I don't know if you've ever been to Wish. Um, yes, Wish is, Wish is the store I was trying to think of the other day when I was talking to you. 
Yeah, Wish is dope, bro. And Wish has been around for forever at this point. I um I bought stuff from Bodega before, actually. Sneakers, t-shirts, uh, like some Raised by Wolf shit for sure. Yeah, A-Life used to be like that. The old A-Life store, or like one of the A-Life concepts was like around or something, and like you had to know how to get to it. Um, I've seen stores with like people like sitting at the door and like you, you gotta, you gotta kind of, if you know, you know your way in. And like, I, is it, I feel like that's ultimate experience. Like we, we really gotta, people really gotta stop making products and start making experiences, uh, around products, I guess. And that's, that's the fucking way. Like I was talking to, uh, speaking of Atlanta, Rome fortune yesterday. And we were talking about like how important experiences versus people like just offering products to us and like continuing to throw products at us that can only last for so long, um, which we said earlier. Um, so like trying to just figure out like how to make experiences around everything uh, has kind of been my vibe um, and my inspiration. And especially like in the last couple of months. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's tricky since we're all digital and in different places, but uh, agreed fully that you know experiences make stuff just so much more fun um so i'm a really big soccer fan like i follow liverpool as my team and every weekend when when that season is going on um there's always an early game on saturdays and i think sundays usually but early because there's a five hour difference between here in the uk so it starts at like 7 or seven thirty eastern time and there's this spot out here in atlanta that's a a Liverpool like supporters bar or whatever, but it's like seven o'clock in the morning. So, but you know, you just want to go cause you want to hang out with the people that are rooting for your same team. But when it's seven o'clock, you know, they can't serve out here at that time. So what they do along the, the same theme of, if you know, you know, type thing, you have to walk through the hotel that's right next to it out the back and into like this side back passage. And then there's a guy sitting there at the door and you have to have like this special ticket that you paid for in advance. It's like 10 bucks or something like that, not expensive. And that's the only way you can get in. But things like that, like, you know, you do want to be inclusive of people, but also finding exclusive experiences makes shit fun. That's so sick and so crazy. Cause that's like, I, a lot of people don't realize that's how hole in the wall clubs work. Like they don't, they're like, we don't sell alcohol. We sell tickets, you know? And then the ticket gets you alcohol, but we're not actually selling you alcohol. That's so crazy. That's so sick that it's like, um, because that's, that's like peak if you know you know, right? Like as an adult, going to the hole in the wall club and knowing how to get alcohol when they technically don't sell alcohol is like the most if you know you know. That's so sick. Like that, obviously, uh, that kind of stuff gets me so excited um, because I feel like, um, when we talk about like memorability, when we talk about depth of connection, when we talk about like impact in like a personal sort of uh, level, like that's the kind of stuff that goes so insane. And and even like, you know, like I started talking about a few months ago, like replacing the word utility with experience, just so people could start thinking about what like NFTs offer you more broadly, because I think people were being really like tech focused when they thought about the word utility, but when you think about the word experience, it, it doesn't always have something to do with tech. And so like, yeah, I, I, man, like, I feel like there's probably so many different stories of, of scenarios like that. There was, um, there used to be a sneaker store here called sneaker and you would have to go down an alley in order to get to it. And, um, from the front, you couldn't tell that there was a sneaker store in the back because 
one thing about Charleston is like, um, a lot of the businesses in downtown Charleston are just houses and they're houses with business licenses, essentially, or like retail licenses. And so um, so what would happen is you would go down and be like, yeah, I saw a house in the back, but but it wasn't like open or it wasn't a store or it wasn't this or it wasn't that. And so like those types of experiences are so good. And I think that like um, fashion especially does such a great job with that. Um, I hope to see more people in music. Um doing that too like down the line well i don't know man again I, yeah, like you said there's a lot of stories we could tell but even back on like the nft space side of things and and talking about web3 stuff you know i bought carla's song when that came and you know she's like i got something special for you and that alone i'm like oh what are you talking about and she's like no you'll just see and i was like all right all right and then it comes in the mail and it's like this customized shirt that's got like her shit on it my name on it like yeah i don't know man there's there's so much to be said for these customized experiences or even with, with you guys right like when you and monday sent out the kudos boxes and i got those i was like "Ooh, these look good like i don't know it's just it's it you know there could be experiential things in person which obviously those are very fun but i think if we're talking about it from a product side there's ways that we can interpret that and, and still make that a fun experience because you know receiving the box and you know I've got a, I've got a young daughter, so she's you know she's six, and the first thing she wanted to do, Dad, let me open. It. I was like, no, get away from the box, like can't mess it up. Um, and so I don't know. There, there's lots of there's just so much unexplored. Right Did you now. give me the popcorn though? No, bro, I haven't opened that popcorn yet. <laughs> I'm I'm actually like I'm wondering if people are going to open the popcorn or if they're going to like just try to keep the popcorn. Where um, have you had it? Have you tried it? Is it good? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's great. I um we're gonna make it so people can buy popcorn like separately down the line. So I guess when that happens, you can you can eat the popcorn. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's just still preserving that experience and stuff like that. Um, I actually haven't even read the comics. So like I was talking to Monday, and he was just asking me like how I felt about everything like that. Which, by the way, that's that's great. That's a one for y'all to follow up like that. But. Even still, I don't know. It just you could tell the attention, the detail on it. It looks good. Like I don't know. It's it's just. And I told you this too. So like, there's another group in the space called Red Lion. And Red Lion did this coffee table book where if you bought the NFT, they'll ship you this book. So like, I still have the NFT. I can still sell that for whatever you know it goes for if I wanted to. But in the meantime, they sent like this huge, huge like recap of what their last year was in this leather bound book with this like. I don't know. It just it just felt like care. You know what I mean? And and I think that that's essential, right? Because right now, what everybody's doing is they're buying digital. You know, it's digital ownership, and so things feel like, okay, cool, I have this, and it's a thing. But when you actually have something that you can put up on display or touch, and you know, or show off to your actual, you know, your IRL friends and things like that, it, it changes things. And like, um, it has to be cool like without regard to uh, it, it coming from Web3. Something that I worry a lot about down the line is that, and this isn't a thing to worry about because there's an audience for it, but like people who don't have like a, a level of taste that I subscribe to are gonna be the ones sort of delivering all these products to people. It, and this happens a lot in music, right? Like a lot of the music headlines that happen from Web3 artists aren't necessarily the most talented Web3 artists, right? Normally, what's being sold is a gimmick, right? And and then the article becomes about the gimmick. Thankfully, we've been seeing a few more things that that make sense. Chaos, for instance, I listened to like the whole first act, 
and I was like, why are there no 808s? Like, that was my immediate thought. Like, I was like, oh, the music's not bad, but, like, they don't make rap music? <laughs> like, you know, like, um, and so, like, thinking about, like, um, just, like, where people subscribe, or, like, where people's tastes are in the moment, um, but it's really cool that K- that Chaos got, like, some really good press write-ups because the album is good. It's a great album or a great whatever whatever they call it. It's interesting. I think as, as more time goes by, um, we'll start to get more experiences like that where, like, people are writing about, like, Latasha, people are writing about Iman, but they're writing about them, like, unrelated to the companies they work for. And I think that that's when we're really going to start to see some wins, when someone decides to profile me. Um, you know, as one of the most talented folks in Web3, of course. Yeah, it's just going to be wins all around. Curious, I got one uh, quick question for you. So for some reason, I've seen more and more of a migration from the 808s. And I've even had some people say, like, oh, I'm trying to get away from the 808s. Why? Can you lend any perspective as to why? Like, I don't understand. The answer is Mike Dean, I think. Mike Dean's like a big synth guy. And um, so, like, Mike, you know, use, like, like Moog sub, sub bases a lot. Um, like, I, I think it's really apparent in Travis and Kanye music. Um, and I think that it kind of pushed that sound. I think a lot of modern production sort of started following that, um, that, like, synth bass bass instead of 808s. Um, obviously, like, uh, a lot of Atlanta trap producers are still sort of following, like, the OG model, which I appreciate because I love 808s. I'm, I'm downloading a bunch of um, a bunch of like vintage vibe synth like VST instruments, virtual instruments. Shouts out to Tips and Economy and Arturia. Hashtag ad. It's like those synths, those old synths are kind of how they're just making that music right now. A lot of those sounds, a lot of those Travis Scott sounds, a lot of those Kanye sounds. You know, like that that like Kanye guitar tone is is just Mike Dean playing guitar. So then when Travis has it, it's just Mike Dean playing guitar. It's not that it's like Kanye's tone, it's actually Mike Dean's tone. And so I think a lot of it can actually be attributed to Mike Dean uh, through all of the like large artists that he's um, produced for in the last like few years. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. You gotta, Mike Dean has a Twitch. You gotta, you gotta watch one of his Twitch streams. Just go on YouTube and like look it up. But all he does is he, like, he uses Ableton um, and all he does is he opens up Ableton and he just starts playing one of the like dozens of synthesizers around him and then he just starts making music with all of these synths around him and it's just like the craziest most beautiful shit and he just smokes a lot of weed and plays synthesizers <laughs> i mean that's cool last thing and then uh we'll get out of here so we're not holding everybody too long curious about how you feel so one of the best things and since you mentioned kanye and, and his production and things like this one of the best things to me is is how Kanye had always sampled, and I feel like, obviously, like he's been sampling for forever. Um, I think Just Blaze was a pretty good influence on that. But then more, you know, over the last few albums, I've been hearing more of a, a, a step out. So a lot of times he used like, um, like seventies and eighties, uh, different kinds of hits, or not even necessarily hits, just like stuff that he was. I'm going to go out and say he probably grew up with and he he was used to, but then. He used stuff like PNL, which is the French rap duo, and he just uses such a, a, a wide range of things. Like, do you look at that same sort of thing? Like, do you look for inspiration, like from all over the world? Like, you know, how, how do you feel about all that? Uh, no, I don't. I listen to Three Six Mafia, but like as a producer, yes. I think as a full-on artist, not so much. Um, 
because I'm I'm just like super inspired by like what I naturally run into. I think there's something really special to being a crate digger, right? Being able to find really obscure sounds, being able to find really great sounds from like old records and stuff. I have a friend, I actually still have all the records. He he would like come to my house with like like tons of records and then would be like, you should sample some of these. And it was all shit I never heard of. Or he would have like records that just like happened to be stuff that Kanye had sampled before. So like I have like, he like came over with a manila folder of seven inch records. And he's like, yo, you should say, I low key should probably pull those up and just sample those since I'm like in a creative funk right now. That's, um, that's a totally different skill set. I think, I think like there are people who like place really high value in that. I think like there are people who really want to deliver like a, um, like the feeling as quickly as possible. Like, I feel like trap music's like that, right? It's just like, all right, get a sound, lay the hats, lay the, lay the drums, the vibe is set, rap, you know? And you can do that and like, you're like, okay, cool, this feels like the club. And if you can get to that quickly, that's cool. If it takes a while to get to it, that's cool. Um, and obviously, like, I think like, it's part of, it's kind of one of the reasons that I think a lot of people downplay trap music is because like, they think that trap music is supposed to be about um, all these different things that it, at the time it's not really about. I think um, a lot of Southern rap is really like surface level, right? Like it's, it's kind of like, look, like this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm saying. This is what I did, whatever, whatever. And I rock with that. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. I think, I think the best music of the future is going to mix a bunch of different things. And so um, I'm just really excited, I think, for that. And I think another thing too about Kanye was like people would talk about like his sample style being like much more traditional but then his drums being much more modern and that juxtaposition being what made him so special as a producer i mean it's hard to disagree with that uh but it is what you know now that i think about it like some of the samples and i think it was late registration though too but i don't know man his, it's just so diverse for him it's I, I, there was did you ever hear the live orchestra version of of late registration I think so in my life. Yes. Continue. You know, and it's, it's funny because everybody knows the Kanye songs and everybody can sing along to the Kanye songs, but when you hear the, like the live instruments with it and it's, I kind of equated to going to a roots concert and I love going to the roots concerts because first of all, black thought is just insane, but then the live instruments just give it such a different feel. And even though I didn't see late registration or I think he actually called it late orchestration, something like that, even yes, though I didn't see that live, the feeling that you got with and obviously like they're still playing the same notes right like it's it's the it's the kanye samples translated into an orchestra still with kanye rapping over the top of it like i don't know man there's something to be said for that too so i i i made a small list yesterday where i listed like three Jaden Jaden violet songs that i had really liked and there was one of them in particular that i was like man i could imagine seeing this live to like live instruments and so I think there's a lot to be explored there too. I agree. I try to think about ways to translate their music into like uh, like a live band vibe. And like, I just love 808s way too much to even think about it, which I feel like is like, it's weird because I'm like a reverse purist in a way, right? Like I'm like, like I feel like the, the purest answer is like that you can do these things with a live band. And I'm like, no, no live band make sure my 808s hit and that's it and so it's it's really interesting i think um i would love to try to figure out a way especially because 
my music incorporates live music or like music that works live with like the rock stuff. Um, I would like to figure out ways where it makes sense to go like back and forth, but I haven't, I haven't figured it out yet. Um, and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing until then. Bro, if we can catch what the fuck off live instruments, I pay to watch that. that. But that would be sick, like, that would be sick as, like, a punk rock song, right? Like, I think that's the energy that I'm trying to capture is, like, I almost wouldn't want to turn the trap records into, like, into, like, um, like a recreation, like, uh, like sort of note for note. But I'd, I'd want to, like, turn every song into a punk rock record or I'd want to turn every song into a hardcore record or a metal record or something like that, um, which that's what Doja Cat did at Coachella. So it's like um, something like that is way cooler to me than like uh, replaying, you know, the notes and then being like, all right, that's it. No, and it, you know, variations of it. So I always think of, uh, I think Cypress Hill did it a bunch of times uh, yes. where they tried different variations of that kind of thing. And that's fun. Like, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. And, and again, the roots, right. And it, it's natural for the roots that you hear the, the album, but then when you hear it live, it's live instruments. So like, I don't know, there's, there's lots of fun things there with that too, but you got anything else to say? Yeah, my, my sister's in the audience. Shout out to my sister. Uh, I see you. And uh, I appreciate you guys for hanging out with me. Um, I'll talk to y'all later. Appreciate it, everyone.